Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and it's a big night for the Knicks. 4-0 Bulls versus 3-1 Knicks. It's like the 90s all over again, except maybe a little different in styles of play. Gavin, what are we going to talk about as far as previewing this really cool marquee early season matchup? Yeah, you know, Alex, when they do the uh, Last Dance 2 documentary on uh, Julius Randle's season this year, uh, this game will be heavily featured with a lot of uh, 70-year-old Michael Jordan commenting on everything and taking us through the hits and emotions of this, uh, what, what it will inevitably be an epic game. But uh, more specifically, we're going to do a deep dive on the Bulls, um, where they rank statistically, and, and some surprises in terms of how they found success this year. Um, whether or not their schedule is a sign that they are not as good as their record so far. Intent it is. And then finally, just um, into like some specific matchups, stuff, some specific stuff about the Bulls, how well DeMar DeRozan has played for, for them, how Nikola Vucevic fits, and how I think these two teams are sort of mirror images of each other in some ways. So all that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he makes it. Anthony for three. to Locked On Knicks. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen every day. We're available on all streaming platforms, including now YouTube, which if you're listening to this in podcast form and you want to see our beautiful faces, you can check out YouTube and uh, subscribe to the channel there. Even if you don't plan on watching, just a subscription helps us out a lot. So uh, that would be much appreciated. Even if you just want to like, you know, every once in a while, enjoy the the viewable content more so than just the listenable at any rate i'm alex wolf i'm editor-in-chief of nick's site the strickland which you can find at the strick.land and i am also writing for clutch points this year covering the knicks and he is gavin shaw your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster and we are previewing knicks versus bulls today and gavin uh we were talking about this a little bit before the show i am staunchly still in my same like rooted in my same opinions on the Bulls from prior to the season I know that everybody's freaking out because they're 4-0 and I mean that's great and everything and uh, you know just like it would be hypocritical to like criticize Bulls fans getting hype when Knicks fans are crazy hype as well at 3-1 and one. Uh, but I just think I, I figure I'll just lead this discussion with like is this the Bulls first real test this season facing the Knicks because you could argue, I mean, I think the Knicks have faced two teams that figure two at minimum be playoff teams out of their first four games. So they, and unfortunately, their one loss was to the one clear non playoff team uh, in the Magic, but they've beaten now the Sixers uh, handily. I mean, they, they decimated the Sixers the other night. And they've beaten the Boston Celtics, of course, in the opener in two overtimes, uh, despite Jalen Brown scoring almost 50 points. The Bulls, on the other hand, I mean, I know people have been very excited about their start, but 
their wins have come over in order since the start of the season. The Detroit Pistons, the New Orleans Pelicans, who are without Zion Williamson, the Detroit Pistons again, and the Toronto Raptors. And that they squeaked out by three points. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just being like a homer a little bit, but I'm also, or a Bulls hater or whatever you want to call it. But I'm kind of just like, eh, color me a little unimpressed so far with the Bulls this year. I mean, is, is this game against the Knicks like their first real test as a team? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it certainly feels like it. I, I think the Raptors game gave them a, a late challenge and they sort of had difficulty finishing that one off. And you saw a little bit of the flaws come up that I think this is a case of a team that has just played essentially perfect basketball so far. And, and that kind of broke down a little bit against the Raptors with Lonzo Ball having a couple of late turnovers, Toronto making a late run. Um, but I, I don't know. I think the Bulls are legitimately solid. I, I don't think they're, they should be the 4-0 team in the NBA right now. Yeah, I mean, it, some things have been really surprising, right? Like you talk about them being solid. You know, what's really interesting is, and I mean, so raw raw point per game is sometimes a flawed stat, but it's sort of like I looked at a couple different numbers to see how suggestive this is of their like total performance. And it seems, seems to be somewhat accurate so far. The bulls are giving up just 97 and a half points per game, which is second in the NBA behind only the heat who, by the way, are also three and one. Uh, but they're actually not for as much as they were kind of ballyhooed for their, their offense uh, coming into the season or what their offense could be. They're actually only 19th in the NBA in points per game at 107 and a half. Uh, the Knicks, I mean, it was, of course, buoyed a little bit by that two overtime game to start the season, but the Knicks are coming in at second in the league in points per game coming into this game and 18th in points allowed at 109.8. Uh, that is, however, a better margin uh, of victory or average margin of victory than the Bulls right now. But the other thing, too, is that their pace numbers are kind of interesting as well. Like the the Knicks and the Bulls actually are fairly low in the league in pace. You would think the Knicks were were higher. Uh, I don't know. if, And I think they were higher. It, this is what happens when you deal with small sample sizes this early in the season. Like, I, I think the Knicks were actually quite a bit higher in pace prior to that Sixers game. So the, the pace must have really been slower, even though it didn't feel like it. Um, but the Knicks have a 99.6 pace, which puts them at 20th in the league. The Bulls have a 99.5 pace, which puts them at 21st. So they're both playing at roughly the same speed here. Uh, what pace is, is uh, the average number of possessions um, that teams have per 48 minutes. So tops in the league right now, for example, are the Lakers at 104.7, kind of Funny, ironic, I guess, that they're like the oldest team in the league by a good margin and yet are leading the league pace right now. Uh, but at any rate, like, how do we feel? Like, how do you feel about the the Bulls defense so far? I It's, it's kind of perplexing to me. I really thought that they were going to get into, especially based off the preseason and how things were looking there. I thought that we were really in store for like, like the, uh, what is it? The 1990 Nuggets? Was that the team that? that broke like every single record as far as uh, total total points records and stuff like that in games because they were literally putting up like, they were like, well, we're just going to commit to offense, 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 and score like 160 points per game, regardless of if the other team ends up scoring 165 as a result of us not playing any defense. I really thought we were into, I mean, maybe not quite that extreme of a, of a, um, a circumstance, but 
something similar where the Bulls were going to be involved in a lot of like 125 to 120 games where they might not necessarily come out on top every time. But so far, it kind of seems like they're not blitzing the pace. They're playing almost like, I mean, honestly, their numbers, the way that they look right now, based off like where they stand in the league and points scored versus where they're standing on points allowed, look more similar to the Knicks last year than, you know, anything as far as a team that's, you know, just just pushing pace all the time and getting out in transition and all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's a case of, and, and to be clear, I haven't watched an insane amount of the Bulls, so it's hard to pinpoint specifics. But to the Same, best, of by the way, I'm mostly yeah. I'm mostly going off stats and a little bit of eye test, but I haven't watched a ton either. Yeah, um, I think it's a case of a team like having a lot of veterans and not not a lot of vets that are necessarily known for their defense, but just enough like know how that when you you put two really good defenders in there and, and Lonzo, maybe calling Lonzo Ball a really good defender is is a stretch, but he's certainly a plus defensively when he's at his best Patrick Williams is already a really good NBA defender um and then you mix in I mean Levine and Vucevic obviously guys who generally reputations for being really bad at that end Vucevic it's a little bit unearned he he got a lot better over the course of his Orlando career Levine is by and large really bad and has gotten marginally better since he's entered the NBA but you you also plug in DeMar DeRozan who just really knows what he's doing like there's enough there that again if you're dictating pace that you can keep scores down. And I think they have so much confidence in their offense and the balance they have offensively now. And, and all we can get into this more next segment, but all the different things they can do with Vucevic. And it is almost Knicks-like offensively where they just have five guys on the floor. Like They even have one more than the Knicks who can pass, dribble, shoot. I think they're content to say, we're okay playing a slow-it-down half-court-based game because we're inevitably on a night-to-night basis probably going to be more efficient than the team we're going up against. And the Knicks will sort of be their first great test of if that theory holds true. Yeah, I I think so as well. Uh, We'll have to see. And maybe, I don't know, I feel like neither team is really sweating. (laughs) You know where this is going. Is really sweating this matchup. I feel like they're both feeling pretty good about where they're at. But if they do feel like they're sweating it a little bit, now's a good time to remind everybody that today's show is brought to you by Sweat Block. And for weeks now, we've been talking about Sweat Block, these wipes that stop sweat for seven days. And I certainly have had my positive experiences with sweat block. I've told the story a number of times about uh, applying some before a hundred degree summer wedding with no air conditioning. And it, it worked. My armpits were really dry that day compared to the rest of me that was sweating like crazy, but at least my pits were not leaking like a faucet. Uh, But it's not just me. It seems other people have been listening. We have friends of locked on who have tried sweat block and love it. Let me tell you about, a soccer player that we we know from Locked On here. Here's a success story about an avid soccer player. He heard about us talking about sweat block and thought it was too good to be true, but he was always the wettest guy after practicing games, like soaking wet. So he thought he'd give sweat block a shot. He tried it on his pits, and the next practice, his pits were dry while everything else was wet. Hey, that sounds familiar. Guess he should try it on his other parts too. He says he didn't have to reapply for nine days, and now he is a true believer. So there you go. Locked on listeners love sweat block just as much as I do. You can stop excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. It is doctor created and doctor recommended. And it comes with a dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block does not keep you dry, you get your money back. And it's not just for armpits, chest, back, feet, hands. Use it anywhere. And I mean anywhere that sweats. If you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today. For 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on, 
or at Amazon and CVS. All right, moving right along with our Knicks Bulls discussion. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I'll fully admit, we didn't take a ton of notes for this one. We kind of just came in with some cool stats or whatever. I'm going to pull this totally out of my butt, Gavin. Uh, what is one matchup you're really excited to see with this revamped Knicks team versus this revamped Bulls team? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a good one. Um, I'll say DeMar DeRozan versus RJ Barrett and Julius Randle. So let me clarify that. Um, because DeRozan is obviously mostly playing small forward for the Bulls, but in the fourth quarter, they've been moving him to power forward and, and taking Patrick Williams out and letting him operate as sort of, uh, again, he doesn't really shoot threes, so not totally as a stretch four, but as, as sort of a, a, a wing four. And it'll be interesting to see him and Julius, like who can take advantage of that matchup to a greater extent, or maybe they like push Randall down on, on someone less threatening in the Bulls lineup and they have RJs to stay on DeRozan. Uh, but that'll be interesting. And then can Randall, I mean, this was something Jonathan Macker was talking about in his uh, newsletter today. Can Randall take advantage of that on the other end? We've seen Randall play, I would say, a little too much iso ball this year. This is something I was kind of getting into with Schwinn, where he, he has a mismatch and he really wants to force the issue. And at times that, that works, like last game against the Sixers, he had this great back down of Tobias Harris that led to Joel Embiid helping and Mitchell Robinson getting an easy dunk. So I think when he's doing it to create, it's really, really beneficial. But it, when he sees a mismatch and it becomes just like, I mean, at least in my mind, like a manhood thing, he's like, I got to go at this guy. Like, I need to take advantage of this dude. I have to shoot it no matter what. I think that gets the Knicks in trouble because they're so efficient right now, just running their normal offense and and basically just making the easy play that when you, when you do anything to go out of that, even with, with an element of Randall's game, that was his bread and butter. And so essential last year, he has to realize that that is not a necessity anymore. And he doesn't have to do that on a play by play basis. Like he just has to mix it in every once in a while. And for the RJ element of it, I mean, we, we keep saying it, but anytime he gets a chance to go up against an elite wing, he did an absolutely fantastic job on Jason Tatum in the opening game of the season. Um, it just, it's something you have to watch out for. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be an intriguing matchup too. I mean, honestly, just statistically too, I mean, I think, I, all right. I mean, maybe it's not totally fair to DeRozan. Like he has put together a really good career of, of scoring at this point. Uh, but I'm, I guess, a little surprised at just how good he's been, um, and just how well this pairing of of like he and Levine seems to be working, and not totally just being a, a sieve on the defensive end to the point that it's like tanking them. Because there's so many stats out there that suggest that Levine is like, I mean, for all of his scoring prowess and all of his efficiency, is enough to like completely sink your defense uh, based off his on off stats and everything. So the fact that those two have been having that much success together is is pretty impressive to me. And DeRozan, too. I mean, super small sample size, so we'll see if this holds up. But on two attempts from three per game, it's shooting 37.5%, which it's low volume. But if he can at least become credible enough to shoot around 35 to 37% from there, it might totally change his game at 32 years old, which is kind of wild. Um, I think I am most intrigued to see... I'm going to go with Kemba versus whoever he draws on defense, which I would assume that they would probably throw Lonzo on him. And uh, although I guess maybe they would put Lonzo on Fournier. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just whoever gets Lonzo on them. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how they're going to react. Uh, I Kemba in particular, though, I think seeing him with an elite wing defender or an elite point of attack defender, I should say, on him, would be a good test for him at this point in the year. He just had his his first like 
true breakout game, I would say, the other night against the Sixers with the 19 points. He looked so good. I mean, he was doing so many like vintage kind of things, like taking a quick screen. And even if the guy got over the screen, showcasing that really quick release to just get his three-pointer off in a split second's time, um, you know, being able to kind of work off of some of his teammates more and also finding his spots in spot-up situations. I'd, I would just be intrigued to see how he's going to react with like a grade-A defender on him. And Lonzo is definitely, I mean, again, I, I'll be able to make more of a judgment on this after seeing them like in action for a full game tonight. But I feel like Lonzo has to be one of the main reasons that their defense is doing as well as it is so far this year. Because he's he's truly, I mean, he's honestly at this point, basically like what we always wanted Frank Nilakina to be, which is sort of a connector uh, on offense and a guy that can shoot the three. He's shooting 43% on seven and a half attempts per game. And a guy that can just go out there and just really lock up on your your uh, opposing best perimeter score on the other team. And, uh, you know, he's, he's big for a, for a, a guy that was considered a point guard early in his career now might be more of like a two, three sort of wing type or just sort of, I mean, on this team, what's nice is that between him, DeRozan and Levine, they can just sort of have this three headed monster of, of handling the ball and playmaking that they don't have to really worry about. Like who's the quote unquote point guard, uh, in that lineup. But, you know, he can just kind of do a little bit of everything and just be sort of your Swiss Army knife that plays great defense, can shoot spot up jumpers and, you know, also make really great passes when you need him to. So uh, that's more just a general bit of love for Lonzo in, in general. I, I really think that he's uh, brought his game to a, a really sustainable and good place at this point. But I'm intrigued as far as the Knicks are concerned to see how their top uh, wing scorers do being defended by him. Uh, but I think I can real quick, if the Knicks need to get stronger, they might want to check out some built bars. And this is, a, you know, maybe Kemba needs to beef up a little bit before this matchup with Lonzo Ball. If he wants to do that, maybe he could snarf down a couple built bars. The best part is he won't feel like he's eating a gross protein bar. It'll feel like he's eating a candy bar. That's because built bars are the best tasting protein bars out there. They remind you so much of a candy bar while you're eating them. And how could they not with all the amazing flavors that they have? They have 10 regular flavors. My two favorites, coconut and cookies and cream. And I can tell you guys, teaser alert, or maybe it's out already. Honestly, I haven't placed an order in a minute, so I'm not positive if they put this up already. But I think coconut brownie chunk is coming back, which is like one of the absolute best flavors and one of the best limited edition flavors. So check that out if you get an opportunity to in the near future. But the best part is, is that even though you'd be eating these bars that taste just like a candy bar, Bilt Bars are pretty good for you. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein, just 130 to 180 calories, only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs each. They are all taste amazing, all healthy, and they help you get that protein boost after a workout. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to Bilt.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you get 15% off your order. Again, Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And all right, with that, we're back to talking Knicks Bulls. Gavin, I'll throw it to you. I pulled a segment out of my butt for the last segment. What do you think <laughs> we should end our discussion with here? Um, I think just that these two teams are, are sort of interesting parallels for each other throughout the year. I mean, maybe Knicks fans will 
will be a little insulted by that and say, no, 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 we're, we're competing with the Hawks and the Heat and, and to a lesser degree, the Celtics, um, not so much the Bulls. Um, but I don't know. I think I think they're fascinating in how in that both teams showed promise to some extent last year, obviously the Knicks far more so than the Bulls. Um, and then they really rounded out their team in free agency. In, in some ways, the Bulls actually got more plaudits. It, feel, it felt like the Knicks did it in a way that fit better. But now we're seeing that the Bulls actually fit together pretty well in that. I mean, especially offensively, like having like Lonzo, who's such a good passer, having uh, Levine, who's legitimately one of the best scorers on planet Earth, DeRozan, legitimately one of the best scorers on planet Earth, Vucevic, like extremely versatile. And and there was um, like a really good quote from Vucevic. I think it was after, I can't remember, it was after like a preseason game or maybe after their first game, but, um, or rather it was from, well, here's what he said. He said, with all the guys I have around me now, I have so many opportunities to score, trail threes, drive and kickoff, pick and pops, on rolls and dump offs. We have so many guys who are good on the ball and that are willing passers. And as a big man, it's a luxury to have. And I, I just couldn't help but think of the Knicks. And I was like, you know, that's that's sort of the situation for every single guy in the Knicks. Like everyone is operating in a luxury world where what they do best is made relatively easy. And for someone like Evan Fournier, like we've said this a couple of times, but who spent his entire career like struggling through like the morose in Orlando and like having to like muck it up and like fight his way through the high grass and, and a lot of convoluted analogies on Evan Fournier. But anyways, it, it, it sucked because he was getting like double teamed every night. He was going up against the best defenders in the league every single night. Um, now it feels like, Oh, I pop around a screen and I have an open three. Like that's, that is, that is true for all these guys on the Knicks right now. And for the bulls, I mean, Zach Levine, tough, tough, tough career in terms of defensive attention. DeMar DeRozan, that was really true for him in San Antonio. Lonzo Ball, to some extent in New Orleans, things were very challenging because things were just kind of dysfunctional there. And now it's all made easier. So I think these two teams have a little bit more in common than some people think. And I think that makes it a fascinating matchup. But Alex, I'm sure you, like me, would argue that the Knicks are ultimately the better version of that team, partially because of their bench and partially because they just have a couple more two-way guys. And, and I would argue, having not watched the Bulls a whole lot, so maybe I'm wrong on this, but I would assume a little bit more cohesion than even the Bulls. Yeah, I think that the, ultimately the the deciding factor there is the defense. And like I said, I'm still not buying the Bulls defense until I see that. Like, I mean, the Knicks will be a really great test for them. Go figure, the Knicks, the one of the best offensive teams in the league right now, uh, which I don't think anybody in our wildest dreams would have thought like, oh, the Knicks, yeah, they'll be, after the first like four games of the season, they'll be one of the most potent offenses in literally the entire NBA. But they are. Uh, and, and what's crazy is that a lot of the guys on the team aren't even putting up numbers that are that line up with what you would expect from them. Like RJ still hasn't really gotten going yet. Uh, Randall is is not shooting quite as well as you would expect uh, in the early parts of the season here. Um, Kemba obviously has had you know other than the last game his his struggles kind of getting acclimated to the new teammates and everything. So yeah, I, I think that that's part of what's going to set these two apart in the long run this year. I just, you know, I cited the stats already that the Bulls are second in points per game. I think they're similar in defensive rating as well. They're actually, they're doing well in, in all facets so far on defense, but you just look at the competition and it's just like they face just real cellar dwellers. I mean, not one of those teams figures to probably make the playoffs. Maybe the Raptors sneak into like the 10th spot and make the second play in or something. Um, but that's about as, as high as I could see any of those four teams, or sorry, three teams facing, three teams finishing that they face so far. Sorry, words. Um, but anyway, like, I I do think that there is sort of some, some interesting parallels between the two. I mean, obviously, the Knicks sort of uh, managed to take off a bit earlier 
than the Bulls did last year by actually being good last year and uh, having you know their their sort of awakening a year earlier than the Bulls did. And the Bulls, you know, are are just kind of figuring it out this year, but look like they're in for a year that's going to, you know, be exciting to their fan base and and to the national media and everything, just like the Knicks were last year. And, and so I think almost we might see something, well, they're not going to have as much money to fool around with. So I don't know if we'll see sort of like the next step from the Bulls next year, like we saw from the Knicks this year. But I, I think that the Bulls will continue to gel together and and manage to put out if nothing else, a really fun product all the time, because they do definitely have guys that are willing to pass the ball that are dynamic scorers. Um, you know, we talked, I talked so much about the the three guys that they have from the one to three spot in uh, Lonzo, DeMar and uh, uh, Levine, Duh, forgetting Levine's name. Uh, but those three guys, and didn't even talk about Vucevic who literally is like an all-star center in his own respect that has such a great scoring package and everything else. But that's the main thing is that this team is built to score. And I think that in the long run, as they keep facing better offenses like the Knicks, they're going to get exposed sometimes throughout this season uh, to being, you know, that that's going to be their Achilles heel is like, look, this team can score on anybody, but defensively that they're going to struggle against some of the better teams in the league um, because it's just, they don't have, massively defensively talented people that said though i mean i do think when you talk about parallels i do kind of love this parallel i think tommy beer had a, a tweet about this you know the other day that the knicks and bulls over the last like five years have two of the worst overall records in the nba in that span and now for both of them or i should say notwithstanding last year i think he went all the years prior to last year like the five years prior to that they had two of the worst records in the entire nba and so to now be at the point where they're both at, uh, it's really cool for both fan bases and for just the league in general, I think, to have these two teams looking like they're going to be, if nothing else, even if the Bulls end up, or the Knicks for that matter. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to rule out that the Knicks might have a little bit of a falling to earth as well. But even if both of them settle in as just solid, fun playoff teams. I think it's so good for the league at large. It's so great for the two fan bases, which are obviously two of the biggest fan bases in the entire NBA. I would argue probably just based off the Jordan hangovers alone, you know, the people that are still fans just from the Jordan era, the Bulls, Knicks, and the Lakers probably are probably the three biggest fan bases in the NBA, like as far as national national love and attention and just like raw numbers. I think it's probably those three. Uh, so it's it's cool to see that, you know, the the Knicks and the Bulls are kind of back in that discussion. And maybe tonight's game. I mean, I really think I'm a, I'm a pretty firm believer. It's the same reason why I say that, like, the Nets and Knicks don't really have a super strong, like, rivalry. I, I think that rivalries are more built on the postseason. It's why, like, Knicks fans are looking so forward to the Hawks games this year because they want revenge for what happened in the playoffs last year. So it's been so long since both the Knicks and Bulls were good that I, I don't know if you can necessarily call this a, like a rivalry just yet in the present day, but maybe this game starts to serve as sort of a a first step towards building a brand new rivalry between these two teams. And it would be really cool if, if they both thrive this year and are able to have like a, a real rivalry again. I, I think it would be a lot of fun for the league and for both fan bases. I think it's true for 
like so many teams throughout the East that they have rivalry potential with the Knicks. Like, I mean, if Brooklyn keeps sliding the way they are, maybe that's theoretically a competitive race down the stretch. I don't, I don't think that'll happen. I think once James Harden gets healthy there, or if Kyrie somehow gets vaccinated, they're really going to roll, but Brooklyn potential rival, uh, Miami perennial rival, like those games, Miami beat them last year, but those games were brutal. And it feels like the Knicks actually have the firepower to compete against them. Now, Atlanta, an obvious rival at this point, Boston, I mean, incredible first game, always a rival. And then you throw the Chicago team into the mix. It just feels like a year where we're going to get a lot of like really, really great games because all these teams are operating on margins that are just so close to each other. Like, I don't really see, like, I think the Bucks fully healthy are still just a pretty bad matchup for the Knicks because like most teams, I mean, obviously they have Randall, but they just don't really have an answer for Giannis. Uh, but I, I, there isn't like the team this year where you, where you go into the night and you're like, you know, the Knicks just don't have a chance. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of fun and like a lot of like competition just because of like some of the guys on these teams are just like, I, I think of Miami in particular with like Lowry and Jimmy Butler and like how feisty we've seen like the Knicks are so far, like Fournier is a killer. Kemba's a killer. Randall's a killer. RJ's a killer. Like it's just, I just think there's going to be interesting dynamics in all these Eastern conference games. And it's kind of exciting that the first, whatever, 16 to 17 games for the Knicks are all in the Eastern conference. Cause I feel like we're getting previews for whatever matchup they'll eventually have in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. And I love the idea of, of the whole East being fun and competitive again, because there were so many years. I mean, even sort of last year included. I mean, last year, the Knicks, the Knicks had their fun story and became the four seed. The Hawks made it to the ECF as the, you know, the five seed. But I think by and large, people kind of had the understanding of like, it was gonna probably be, I, I mean, I guess people really thought the Sixers could have done it. I've never been a huge Sixers believer in the the team that they had there just because of what happens with Ben Simmons in the playoffs. But I think that most people probably looked at last year and, and were like the Bucks or the Nets, whoever emerges out of those two, once it was finalized that they were going to be the Eastern Conference semifinals, I think it was just kind of assumed like whoever makes it out of that is going to make it to the finals because they're just the two best teams uh, in the East. And, and they have been, I mean, the Bucks have been a power in the East with their own playoff struggles, granted, but they've been a power in the East for years and they seemed finally ready to get over the hump. And they did obviously and won the championship. And, you know, it was kind of the the same thing with the Nets too, where it was like, they just figured out there's just too much talent and that they're going to win the whole thing. And this year, I mean, with the Sixers without Simmons until they get that situation resolved, they're more down to earth. The Bucks, I think are still awesome and they're still they're still definitely the team to beat. Obviously, they're the defending champs. And like you said, they're, they're probably the one team that most nights, if they come into a matchup with the Knicks, I'm thinking, yeah, the Bucs are probably going to win this game. And, and I wouldn't say that about any other team in the East versus the Knicks. But what's cool is that the fan bases of so many other teams, Bulls included, are probably now saying any given night, like, oh, yeah, I think, I think my team can beat that team in the East. You know, and th- there's not really too many teams out there that from like one to nine or 10, in the East that I feel like should really feel like they shouldn't be able to beat any given team on any given night, because there's just a lot of, a lot of good talent in the East right now. And there's a lot of well-balanced teams that aren't necessarily mega star laden. You know, there's, there's no LeBron in the East anymore. You know what I mean? Other than I guess like Giannis obviously is like the perennial MVP candidate. Durant obviously is still Kevin Durant, but with those teams below like the Bucks and the Nets. And I guess you could say the Sixers too with Embiid, although he's looked a little shaky, especially against the Knicks the other night, but there's a lot of teams that just have like an all-star, but not like necessarily an MVP candidate. And then 
you know, a whole bunch of really good, well-balanced players uh, that just make them a really lethal team on the overall. Uh, you could say the same about the Heat. You could say the same about the Bulls, the Celtics. You know, although, again, you could maybe argue that Tatum at some point or another is going to make that leap up to, to perennial MVP candidate. Um, but I just don't think he's quite there yet. But, you know, there's just a lot of really good teams and well-balanced teams in the East right now. And it's, it's going to be fun to watch. And this Knicks-Bulls matchup is just sort of like a early season epitomization of that. So I, I'm very thankful for this matchup. I think it's going to be a ton of fun tonight. Uh, but at any rate, Gavin, do you have anything else to add before we wrap this up and then start prepping for this amazing Knicks-Bulls matchup coming up tonight? No, I'm all good. This is great. I can just I can shake my head now. I don't even have to answer. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, for those of you on YouTube, you saw that. For those yeah, of you yeah, not, yeah, yeah. everyone we'll still, at home, you're missing we'll, out. <laughs> we'll we'll still verbalize. Yeah. <laughs> but at any rate, thank you all so much for listening. Again, uh, if you're not subscribed to Locked On Knicks on YouTube, definitely go there and drop a sub. Maybe put a thumbs up on this video, even if you just listen to it. Uh, go there and check out the videos. It helps us out a ton because we're trying to get that off the ground. And uh, any new subscribers and likes and all that stuff are huge for us. So. Thank you all so much if, if you could do that for us. But if you're just listening in your headphones too, always appreciate you guys for listening. And we'll be back with the Bulls recap after the game. And we will have a very special guest uh, coming up this weekend. Don't want to spoil it, but we have a, a really good interview coming up with someone who just wrote a really cool story about one of everybody's favorite Knicks. So we'll uh, just tease it with that, but that's coming up for the weekend. So thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.